something relating to that today. I want to talk to you for a few minutes on a subject titled Returning the Glory to God. Returning the Glory to God. We have been blessed already this weekend. We was in fellowship meeting Friday night, and I appreciate those who was able to drive down to Smithville last night where we ministered in Smithville last night at Brother Hill's church. Uh, some of our old ones know Brother and Sister Hill well. Uh, they was assistant pastor of this church at one time and helped Brother Hale uh, years ago. And he is now pastoring that church. At, um, he's kind of in the same position that I'm with him, Brother Brother Presley, who founded that church and, and built um, that church, had a stroke uh, a while back, and uh, he had to step down on kind of that. And Brother Hewell is the pastor now, and uh, uh, they are uh, they're doing some good things from the Lord. They're they're struggling trying to get rebuilt back up when when uh, the founding pastor stepped down and the new a new man came up. They lost some people and. Uh, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody, uh, brother, brother Wayne George, last night. We had a little fellowship, and I was talking to him about that. You know, uh, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't try to follow a man or a man. We should follow God. Amen. And uh, when when we took over as pastorship from Brother Hill of this church, and we got in. Uh, working with the board members and and got got the uh, of the bylaws drawn out and got the church incorporated and and everything functioning. My intention then and my intention now is is to make sure everything is lined up in place. That um, you know uh, when God when God moves me out, somebody can move right in by His choosing, Amen, and let the church go on. The church the church. The church is the church, and it exists whether uh, I'm here doing the preaching or somebody else is doing the preaching, as long as God is doing the anointing. Amen? Hallelujah. Amen. So we should, we should, we should never uh, uh, be, be followers of man, but be followers of the Word of God. Hallelujah. I want to talk about returning the glory to God. Once again, we are entering the season that we call Thanksgiving here in America. It is a an original American holiday. We was the first country, although there there are two or three other countries that celebrates Thanksgiving now. Canada uh, is one who um, has a Thanksgiving day, but it originated with us. Uh, but like Christmas and many other honorable traditions. Thanksgiving has been twisted and transformed into something that it's more about us than about God. Rather than giving glory and honor to God, who was the original recipient to be honored. Thanksgiving is not just about Turkey Day or getting together with family and friends, but it's Giving something unto God. Giving something to God. Uh, so that's how come I want to speak to you about returning the glory to God. Since our children, when we got some young people here today, since our children won't hear this in their schools, and since we adults have turned this holiday into something more about us than about Him, 
There's something I want to take a few minutes, and I hope you bear with me and listen to me close. Uh, I want to share something with you uh, that uh, the founding father of our nation proclaimed this day to be all about. This was the first proclamation of Thanksgiving as uh, 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 as a, a, a day, a holiday, and um, although it began long before George Washington by the Pilgrims, we understand that. Yet when this nation became a nation, and the first president made this proclamation, whereas now this is a, this is an American president now, and you will uh, you think it's strange you you wouldn't hear. Uh, 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 some presidents make this kind of statement. It wouldn't be politically correct. But this is his words. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly implore His protection and favor. Can you believe an American president made that statement? About actually obeying His Word? Like I said, this is a part of our written history, but you won't hear it in your public schools today. Whereas both houses of Congress... How about their joint committee? Looks like there was a time that uh, that Congress got together for something. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, since Congress, by their joint committee, both the, the House and the, uh, uh, and the Senate, requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the benefit author of all that of all good that was that is and that will be that we unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming a nation. My, my, my. And also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplication to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech Him to pardon our national Sins and transgressions. Given under my hand at the city of New York, that's before there was a Washington, D.C., this third day of October in the year of our Lord, 1789.
When I read those words of that man who was just as called of God and ordained as what I am, but he had his ministry, I have mine. When I read those words and to know that he was able to say them without the ACLU threatening to sue him. Or some of these secular groups raising some kind of Canaan outcry. I heard just the other day in some state there's a uh, a cemetery that a big white cross was put up on the, on the hill overlooking that place many, many years ago in honoring Marines buried there that had given our life for this country. That cross was tore down and destroyed because of a storm that came through. And recently a, a group of young Marines went and had another one made and by their hands took that thing, that cross, and uh, huffed it up that hill and, uh, and planted it there again to replace the one that was tore down. And now there's all kind of outcrawl of this nation and threatenings of lawsuits that it has to be removed. You can take that picture down. Because even though we honor Him, we're not worshiping Him. We worship Christ. And let's, let's move on. If this nation, which has been a shining beacon on a hill to all the other nations of the world, if this nation, which in times past led the world by example to be a lighthouse pointing to Almighty God as the giver, ruler, and sustainer of all life. And in one time this nation did that. Our leaders did that. If this nation is to survive into future generations, then this present generation must once again have an attitude of gratitude and vindicate that the Lord, He is God, and He has made us, not we ourselves. I don't care how good our forefathers was. It was an impossibility for people to do what was done in this nation if it wasn't for the mighty hand of an almighty God. We were blessed by God. We were called and ordained by God. No other nation except Israel can take that claim. But folks, she's shaking today. She's rattling. She's reeling like a drunk man because we have forsaken those principles. Oh, God. And in this Thanksgiving season, yes, I will enjoy my time with my family. I will enjoy sitting down and having a meal. 
but that will not be the center focus of my Thursday. I will not I will not spend more time doing that than I'll spend in time, amen, giving God glory and praise and giving Him back the glory to Him. I am going for one to be someone who's going to honor Him and praise Him. And I refuse myself and I refuse anybody in my family to make Thanksgiving be more about me and us than it is about Jesus. I'll tell you what's happened, folks. Number one, we are becoming a nation of thieves. Now, I'm not talking about the, the muggings and the robberies and the home invasions that's going on. The reason why all that's going on is because we first, as a people have become a nation of thieves. I went to the dictionary and I found out that a thief is defined as one who steals or takes that which is rightfully another's. Anybody here ever had anything stolen from you? I tell this congregation all the time, but I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't do it braggadociously because I am, in fact, ashamed to, same, ashamed to say it, but I talk about how uh, the problem that I had in my past with my temper and everything, and, you know, and I like to think it's, you know, well, you know, I've got, I've got that under control, but uh, I, got a, uh, I got a backpack that I carry stuff in on my school bus. And uh, I carry my iPad with me. And, of course, sometimes I have a 15 or 20-minute wait at a school before they dismiss. We have to get there early to get lined up. I'll pull it out and go online and read. And sometimes some of the sermons that I preach on Sunday mornings get their start somewhere in a, in a, in a school around here. So, you know, I have it with me every day. Uh, and uh, with other things, I've got um, those of you, and Brother Bobby, you know what I'm talking about. I know I got a Fuelman credit card that I use to uh, uh, put fuel in the bus. And one day, not long ago, I did my runs, and after, the, after all the runs over, I had all the children home. I went. And pulled and uh, and uh, and fueled up that bus to get it ready for the next day. And uh, if you let it get low enough, uh, and if you fill it up completely, you're looking at a bill for one fill up on that school bus for about four hundred dollars. Uh, so, and when the school buses go in. They don't do them like they do everybody else. Everybody else has got to pay first or pay at the pump. And uh, But when the school bus comes in, they'll see us through the one, and they go ahead and cut it on. So I'll go in. i fill that, that bus up uh, with uh, less, probably less, I don't know exactly, I remember, less, uh, less probably than $20 at the time in my wallet. 
And uh, then I get back on the bus and I get that bag and I, I, I noticed all the compartments and the zippers was unzipped. And I thought, what is this? And in the little compartment on one side where I had the Fuman credit card, it was gone. Some ink pens was gone. Some other things that I had was missing. I went to the front pouch where I had this because by that time I was on the verge of a heart attack. And thank God it was still in there. They didn't know what it was, evidently. I looked around and I seen back behind my seat on the floor back behind me was was the empty carrying case that the credit card went in. And here I was now with a with a big bill for fuel. Had less than twenty dollars in my pocket, so I walk in and I told I told the tenant, I says, Listen, I said, I don't really know how, what we're gonna do here. I said, I guess it's up to you, but uh, I said I said one of the one one of the kids in my high school snuck behind me while I was driving down the road and I says they ripped me off. They stole a bunch of stuff and one of the things they stole was a credit card. And uh he just he just smiled real big. He said, That's all right. He says uh he says I, he says, I know you he says, I know you'll take care of it. He says, Let me write it down here now. Uh he says, When you get a new card, he says, I'll take care of it. So big preacher man here that thought I'd done I done, you know, conquered all those past things. Man, I'm gonna take, when I when I found out that somebody had stole from me, I got mad. That old Sammy kind of swelled up inside. Amen. It don't make you feel too good when somebody violates you. Amen. And but I'm I said all that to say this that America. As a nation, as a people, we have become or we are we are becoming a nation of thieves. I am reminded of a national leader of another nation long ago who blatantly stole from God that which was rightfully and only his, and the high price that this man paid for his crime. In the book of Daniel, chapter 4, verses 29 through 32. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and says, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power? And for the honor of my majesty, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he wills. Hallelujah. 
Nebuchadnezzar became a thief by stealing the glory and the honor that belonged to God. Hallelujah. Nebuchadnezzar may have thought he built Babylon, but he didn't do it. It was God who raised it up. And it will be God who takes it down. God had placed Nebuchadnezzar as the leader of the most powerful nation on earth at that time. And he had knowledge of the power of God over men. God even warned Nebuchadnezzar in a dream what would happen to him and what he would do. But still, by the end of the 12-month period of that dream, he stood and blatantly stole what only belonged to God. America would do well to take heed to the lesson left us from Babylon. We have become a nation of thieves by taking away from God what duly and rightfully belongs to Him. Glory, honor, and thanksgiving for His marvelous grace, His works, and His love. Church, I'm here to tell you that turkey dinner with family, watching football on the couch, if these things dominate your Thanksgiving day, then you have made it just about you and not about Him, and you have become a thief. Remember what this thing was proclaimed to be about this coming Thursday. And why we have set this day aside and we should not dare to take away any honor, any glory, any any thanksgiving from God. The second part that I want to talk about, and I am moving quickly, is this nation needs a revival of thanksgiving and praise. We need a revival of thanksgiving and praise. We as a nation no longer attribute to God the glory and honor that He alone deserves. When national leaders have the gall to stand and proclaim that America is no longer a Christian nation, and we honor more the ingenuity of man over the providence of God, it proves that we are spiritually comatose and in need of an awakening. Hallelujah. There are people right now giving more praise and lifting up a man and honoring his ingenuity more than they do God, and he's a dead man in the grave. I'm talking about I'm talking about Mr. Jobs. For the past few weeks, that's all you hear. He did this, he did that. Oh, Look at the wonder that this man brought about. Oh man, just just look at all this. Man, this is this is great. I appreciate this. I always got it in my hand. But you know what? Brother Bobby I could take a little short drive up to East Tennessee and Gatlinburg and the Smokies and I can look around and I can look at those mountains and I can look at this and there's no comparison. And I'm not going to give Steve Jobs 
can't even stand in his shadow, sweetheart. It's time that America realizes where their blessings come from. I know we got a lot of people today that think they can't live a day without their iPad, their iPod, their iPhone. But I promise you, I promise you, we survived before they came about and we can survive after them. But you cannot survive without God. Thank His holy name. I'm glad for God's blessings. But I also am sad because we as a nation no longer attribute to God the glory and honor that He alone deserves. No nation can stand and prosper unless God is present in every aspect of government, commerce, and individual families. I don't care what nation it is. No nation can stand unless we've got God present in the government, in our commerce, and in our individual families at home. No nation can stand. And since the 1960s, we have been kicking God out of it all. Seems like sometime in the early 60s, a war was declared by human beings on a mighty God in heaven who has never done nothing but pour His blessings and love upon us. Somebody declared war against this mighty God and we double up our fist at Him and says, We did this ourselves! I recently saw a poster, a sign somebody printed and on that sign this is what was printed God why are you allowing murder and mayhem in our nation's schools that was what the question was God, why did you allow Columbine to happen? Just last week they found another gun in possession of a student. I believe it's Stratford. I think it was Stratford. We go to classes now. We are being trained by vice squad officers to look at the students standing at the bus stop when we pull up and to look at them as they're stepping up on the bus. And we are being taught and trained by vice squad officers how to detect whether or not a student is hiding a weapon or not. 
we saw a man from Atlanta. An officer brought his son, stood on the school stage, and he walked. And he's standing there. He looked looked natural and everything, but there was a big table out there. And as as the officer began to talk, his son began to pull weapons. I don't know. Did you, did you ever see that program? Says. Where in the world, how in the world was all of those weapons on that young man? They know how to hide them. They know how to conceal them. So this sign says, God, why are you allowing murder and mayhem in our nation's schools? God replied, I'm not permitted in your schools to stop it. I'm not permitted. Oh, God. I'm I'm telling you, folks. It's hard for me to preach this message today without weeping. Because a lot of our young people are not old enough and have not lived long enough to see what used to be. I can remember some things that used to be. I can remember going to elementary school and you walk in and over the blackboard was the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. I can remember standing at the beginning of every class every day saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And then then the principal over the intercom system reading a passage out of the book of Psalms and having a moment of silent prayer before we started our lessons. Folks, you cannot put God out of your life and expect any kind of good result from it. We're the reason and we're the cause of all this junk that's going on today. This generation will stand before God with blood of innocence on our hands. When God goes, when God is thrown out, and when God leaves, so does all blessings, all hope, all protection, and all guidance. When God leaves your home, And if God is not in your home, you don't have no hope in your home. If God is not in your home, you don't have no protection. You may have all kinds, amen, of weapons. You might have the magnums and all those other things. Like Clint Eastwood says, go ahead and make my day. I don't care what you got in there, sweetheart. If God ain't in there, you ain't got no protection. The devil's crowd can take you out anytime, any way he wants to. You know what? God's on my side. God's on your side. And the devil and all his imps out there and all the people that's doing all this stuff, they can't touch you unless God allows it. What if you, but if you don't got God in your home, you don't have no blessings, you don't have no hope, you don't have no assurance, you don't have no protection. Hallelujah. You're a sitting duck with a bullseye on your back. 
just waiting for Satan's opportunity. If God is not in a church, it's not a church. When God is kicked out of a nation, men like Hitler will soon take over. I got to finish. I don't have it just a little bit more. Amen. So, the only way that we can get God back from where He has been put out of is through a revival of thanksgiving and praise. The Bible says God inhabits what? What does the word inhabit mean? Brother, Brother Darrell, we can get God back in Washington, D.C. in a heartbeat if there's somebody up there dares to begin to pray to God. And there's a revival of praise. It's an impossibility for men and women to praise God and God not show up. Hallelujah. That's why it's so important when we come together and Brother Downs begins to lead us in worship. Some we may be tired. We may have had a bad week. We might not be feeling good. But it's so important that God shows up in the house. Because nobody will get a need met unless God is here. Nobody will be healed unless God is here. Nobody will be saved, delivered, and set free unless God is here. Nobody will be filled with the Holy Ghost unless God is here. And God won't be here until somebody begins to worship. God won't be here until somebody begins to pray. He ain't coming just because I'm pretty and look good. Hallelujah. Amen. He won't come just because, amen, I've been to Bible college and I know a little bit. He don't care for that. Hallelujah. Oh, but when me and when you and everybody else, hallelujah, even though we don't feel like it, begin to worship and begin to praise. Here's God over here. Creating something new in the universe. That's what scientists tell us. They're able to look far out in the galaxies now, and they can see galaxies being created. There's creation still going on. New galaxies are being formed all the time. The, uh, the whole universe is constantly expanding. Well, if that's happening, it's because God's out there at work. He's creating it. Nothing else can do it but Him. Amen? So I want you to get a picture here now. In a minute, I want you to stand up, brother, over here, and I want you to start lifting your hands and just start rejoicing a little bit, saying, I praise you, Jesus. I glorify your name. Just, just like that. Hallelujah. So here God is, 50 million light years from Earth, putting some more galaxies together, creating. He's busy. While he's doing it, he's listening to the prayers of the, the people and doing all, doing all that God stuff. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, God's way over here 50 million light years away. Somebody gets up down here at Christ Family Church. God says, all this, you wait. 
I got to step over here. Somebody's praising my name. Somebody's giving glory. When somebody praises me, I've got to inhabit the Lord. I got to be there. It ain't how good the piano player can play. It ain't how good the singers can sing. It ain't how good the preacher can preach. But when normal people, everyday people begin to praise and worship, God says, I'm stepping in this. I'm getting in the middle of this. Next time, just just remain standing. I'm going to close. Psalm 66 and 8. Oh, bless our God, ye people, and make the voice of His praise be heard. Second Chronicles 5. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, His mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house. It's got to start with us. If if you love America and you appreciate this land of ours and you want your grandchildren to have a little blessing that you had and you don't want to see your grandchildren have to pay the debts that are being made today, if you'll just begin to praise and we get a revival of praise and a revival of worship, God will come back in. I won't, I'm going to step over here to the keyboard. And as we close out, I'd like to see people gather from one end to the other. And just just for a few moments, I want you to forget the one who may be next to you. And I want you to begin your thanksgiving by worshiping God and saying, Lord, I thank you. Start thinking about the blessings that He's blessed you with. And let's just worship Him with our whole heart just for a moment. Hallelujah. Let's, let's do that.